City University Television presents The American Theatre Wing Seminars Working in the Theatre This seminar, Critics Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminars. Now in their 26th year, and just one of the many year-round programs of the American Theatre Wing. These seminars are coming to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, the new Graduate Center. These seminars offer a rare opportunity to explore with our panelists the realities of working in the theatre. Today, we visit the world of the theater critics. Traditionally, the critic has sometimes been viewed as the enemy within, but not today. During this seminar, we will talk about our panelists' work ethics and perhaps how they see their role as a critic. I'm Isabel Stevenson, chairman of the board of the American Theater Wing, and now I would like to introduce our moderators, two very distinguished theater professionals, Pia Lindstrom, a former critic, and Harvey Sabinson, for many years the executive director of the League of American Theaters and Producers and a longtime press agent. I'll now turn this over to our moderators, Pia and Harvey. Thank you very much, Isabel. <laughs> On my far right, we have Charles Isherwood, who is the chief theater critic for Variety, which, as you know, is the show business bible. Before that, he was the senior editor and theater critic in Los Angeles for Variety. And before that, he worked for L.A. Style, and he's a graduate of Stanford University. Next to him is Peter Marks. He's the New York Times critic, the dreaded New York Times. We know the power of the Times. Before that, he was a reporter and uh, feature editor for uh, the Times, the Arts and Leisure section. He worked as a reporter for Newsday, and he's a Yale graduate. Harvey, who's on your side? On my side, <coughs> on my far left, is Roma Torrey, whom I'm sure you will all recognize as the anchor for News All Day on News One. And Roma also reviews theater and the arts for, new, for News One in New York. Uh, she also, in the past, has been at News 12 in Long Island, where she began her career as a critic. Uh, to her right, yeah, right, not left, <laughs> is Clive Bonds, the eminent critic of the New York Post. Clive speaks better English than most of us because that's because he was born in Britain. And he came to the United States to become principal dance critic of the New York Times, later also assuming the job of drama critic. When he left the Times, he joined the New York Post, where he has been for many years. And of course, Clive has written many books on the theater and on dance. And to Clive's right is Linda Weiner. Linda, for many years, has been the principal critic and arts col columnist for Newsday. Linda also was the critic for the Chicago Tribune, uh, and also when she came to New York, worked for the Daily News as a critic, and also for USA Today, and has been, as I say, for many years, reviewing both dance and theater for Newsday. 
We have with us people who are insiders, like Charles, writing for theater, knowledgeable theater people. We have television. We have uh, print media here. Um, I'm curious how reviews are styled for different audiences. I'll start with you, Roma, because I'm particularly fond of television. Mm -hmm. And I know that we on television have to do a review that's different than a print. What do you do to your well, own? Right. We have to deal with um, two elements that we, you, you, my colleagues in the print profession don't have to deal with. Um, one is time, and uh, the other is the picture. Um, in terms of time, our, you know, our reviews have to fit into a slot. Now, I'm luckier than most, and, and I know you probably battle this all the time at, at uh, News Channel 4. Um, my reviews must run three minutes or less. And I think that would have been a luxury for you at, uh, at Channel 4. Yeah. So um, you have to get it all in in that brief period of time. And there's so much to say and so much material to cover. It's very frustrating. Uh, the other issue I have to deal with is the matching the pictures to the words. And I was just uh, telling uh, Clive that it's, it's often very difficult because I, I'm trying to broaden um, my horizons as a theater critic and not do as much uh, Broadway and, and try to focus on off-Broadway. And the difficulty is that we have to shoot our, our own clips. And oftentimes, the shooting is not very accomplished. And just at the moment, <laughs> one of the characters is about to say something that is very momentous in, in the review or, or for my purposes in the review. The, camera wanders <laughs> off to another character or it, it pulls out of focus. So it's very difficult because in my line of work, we have to match the pictures to the words. And so if I don't have the appropriate pictures to match what I'm trying to say, I, can, I cannot use it. And that explains sometimes why the reviews <laughs> occasionally seem a little disjointed or, um, or lacking a particular focus because I have to deal with what I have. And what I have is oftentimes not adequate. What about writing for people in the business? Uh, yes, I have my own constraints. I don't have to match words and pictures, of course. I'm just dealing with words. But um, I am writing for an audience that is either working in or obsessed with showbiz. So um, <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very specialized crowd. But in fact, it doesn't really shape your critical response. I mean, that is going to be what it is. Uh, Variety does always address the issue of whether a show is going to be uh, you know, a B.O smash, if it's going to be boffo, which is a word we invented <laughs> once upon a time, although certainly I didn't do it, um, or if it's going to be a flop. And I think in you know, consumer papers, you really would not feel right probably doing that. But that's something that uh, I'm allowed to do. Of course, that means that half the time I'm wrong, but uh, <laughs> that's I'm critical with Betsy's wrong in this one respect. He's new. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Clyde, you've worked yeah. at The Times, and now yeah. you're at The Post. Yeah. Do you write differently for the post? No, I don't think I do. I might, but I don't think I do. Uh, I always imagined that when I was hired by the post, they hired me to write as I was writing on the Times. I think it's, it's rather a mistake for uh, people to change their style. I think that when they change their style, they very I've seen people do this. <laughs> and uh, editors hire someone because they like the way they write, and then they join a paper. This was particularly true of the New York Times, actually. People trying to think that they ought to write like the New York Times wrote. And it, usually it, w it proved quite disastrous. Um, I think that um, by the time 
you know, people get to the age of 25, 30, something like that, they usually have their own style, and it's best to, to, to keep to it. Uh, how many, very often one, as arts critics, one very often finds oneself standing out from the rest of the paper <laughs> by virtue of style. I mean, you're quite different from the rest of the paper. I, I often wonder who, who, you know, who, who reads me. But, um, <laughs> but it is, um, you know, it is a, a, a very different. Um, and I think people usually keep to their own style, should keep to their own style, if it works. Yeah, I mean, there is no one style of writing at the no. New York Times as there is at no. any of our publications. No, exactly. really First and foremost, I think try to find a voice that you're that feels like it's expressing you. And yeah. if it, the trick is somehow to make that voice something that people connect with, mm. yeah. which doesn't happen overnight. I, I, when I started, I was plucked from the reporter side of, of of the newspaper to be a critic, which is not the most common way that mm. a, a critic becomes a critic at the New York Times. And I was terrified at first uh, at the idea of holding forth in the pages of the New York Times. And it took me uh, a few times before I could actually look at my own reviews. And sometimes I pick them up and say, who's writing this stuff? Who is this guy? I mean, An outer ego. <laughs> and slowly you become, you know, you, you learn to accept that you're just one person who happens to be given this, this opportunity. And you try to be sort of uh, humble about it and not too uh, grandiose. And, and over time you realize that, you know, you hope that the world out there understands that anybody basically it could be expressing their opinion. Yeah. It's just a matter of how you express it, yeah. how well you yeah. express it. I think it's very important to have a personal voice and to stop this kind of idea of this is the received opinion. I think that this is why the use of the personal pronoun and things like that are very important. The, the I factor, I think, is important. Sometimes. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> one can really overdo it. Oh, yes, I think, yes. I, you know, I, 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 I think that one can, that right. one can really, can, I think that you. You want me to count. <laughs> um, you know, I also write a column, and in the column I use the personal pronoun a lot more, sort of a politics of the arts column weekly. But in the reviews I try to keep my, of course it's my own opinion. You know, it's clearly you don't write there's no such thing as objective opinions when people say, gee, I wish, you know, mm, I want an objective sure. review. Sure. Nonsense. Mm. You know, it's yeah. oxymoron. But I do tend to write a little bit more in terms of the tone, a little bit more neutrally mm -hmm. in the review. Because mm -hmm. um, I would find that if, if someone has uh, the personal pronoun six times in the mm. first two paragraphs, mm. I get really bored. Yes. You know, I think, oh, yeah, but what's really happening yeah. on the stage? Yeah. Are we yeah. much more interested yeah. in your own psyche? Yes, yes, yes. Have you ever wanted to write something over? I mean, that you did a review mm -hmm. and then three weeks <laughs> later said, my goodness, <laughs> Who I changed my mind. <laughs> you mean really change your mind? You well, mean just not fine tune it or something no, or find a better No, have lead. a different opinion. Well, yeah. nowadays, when critics are not impelled to cover opening nights and write, that night, oh, as they yeah. did You're human. in past years, yeah. there's an opportunity yeah. to rewrite that review. Yes, yes but, but you but don't but have an opportunity to, to re-see the show. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think she means, you know, yeah. say, oops, uh, oops, never mind. Yeah. Well, because I've had trouble with Stephen Sondheim, for example. Uh -huh. If the first time you go and see Sweeney Todd, mm. you, you walk out and you say, what have I seen? I've got mm. ten minutes to write this review. <laughs> I don't understand the set, I didn't, the music, I'd like to listen to it again, I don't have any time. Yeah. And I would bring that confusion, and then later say, "My goodness, I wish I could have seen that play a few more times and had 
had, you know. Well, I was actually curious about that, Pia. Were you going on opening night? Yes, we were. We so used different. to. We're used yeah. to. You get some days. We get very often as much as three or four days, uh, depending. And obviously, right. the crunch of time makes it not necessarily. Because we used not to. We used to. <laughs> we used to go right. on the. Opening we used night. to actually sometimes <laughs> have about oh. About an hour, didn't what we? Was the earliest, hour. What was the earliest <laughs> deadlines you ever had? Uh, I suppose at the times we were about 11 15. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's. Uh, and, uh, you know, that wasn't too bad. But remember. But that was you with know, an early was, curtain? That was with an early curtain, but we were writing. Oh. Uh, <coughs> we were writing about 800 words, mm -hmm. and then wow. we would we would uh, go up and check the proofs and... Uh, Isn't there a famous story that Brooks Atkinson <coughs> did not, because it, the show was running so late, did not see the end of Streetcar Named Desire when he wrote his review? Oh, oh God. No, no sympathy for that. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you think is better? Do you think it's better that, um, that you get more time? I mean, is there a trade-off in terms of what you get out of... Uh, I think it's much better to have, yeah. to have more time. Haven't you found on occasion, though, that your opinion has changed I mean, you've gone 180 degrees on, on a particular show. Yes. If, uh, if you've had the luxury of a two or three days in advance to write that review. No, no, I don't find that. But I do what I do find, and that is with dance, dance is very much a continuum. You know, you go and see the same, the same things time after time. <laughs> and I do find that my opinions of ballets change or dances change. And therefore, I, I wonder how much my opinions of plays would change if I saw them <laughs> the time, time again. You'd hate them all. I'd hate, hate them all. all. <laughs> but, 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 but over like uh, two or three days, if you have more time to reflect on oh, performance yes. or on what the yes. meaning of a play, yes. yes. don't you find that yes. it, it does yes. take a it, different it, shape? It, yeah. it's much better. And also, also, one of the most terrible things about doing it overnight in that incredible rush, and Pia will remember this, it must have been worse for her in many ways, but... One of the things that you, you were at complete the mercy of your opening paragraph. <laughs> because uh, you, you did, your, you did your, your first page, and a copy boy would take it away. They really <laughs> were boys. Oh, yeah, they, they were, were boys. They were they boys. Were they boys. were that high. <laughs> and they used to run in like little ants, and they used to grab your pages away from you. And if you got the first page wrong, you know, I mean, in not, I don't say the opinion, but the tone mm -hmm. of the review, which is in a way more important than the opinion, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be in the final effect. You were completely <laughs> lost. I mean, it was, you know, and that did happen sometimes. I want to find out what brought this change about in writing for opening night. At one time, it was a 7.30 or 8 o'clock curtain, and the reviewer was a very good reviewer, New York Times, whoever it might have been, and a good, lengthy review of it. It's now coming in sometimes two days before opening night, sometimes, yeah. and it's now six o'clock. Well, the... Oh, I know exactly why. Yeah, why? I know exactly why. why. I don't know why. <laughs> why? why? Know what exactly I've heard a lot that. of different stories. Let's have it now. Now. What is it? Now. Okay. Uh, I can tell you in two words. Yes. Stanley Kaufman. Okay. <laughs> what are the no, two words? Really, no, Stanley Kaufman. No, no, Stanley Kaufman, you know, because after Stanley Kaufman, uh, the, the thing went straight back to the, to the opening night reviews. Because, I mean, I succeeded Stanley, uh, no, Walter succeeded Stanley, but, but, but Walter was doing opening night reviews, and I was doing opening night reviews. We didn't actually go back until Amadeus, and what happened with Amadeus was the Times uh, went to, um, it bought tickets to Amadeus uh, uh, before the, it went to, bought tickets to one of the previews, and wrote a notice 
It, and was it, this you? No, it wasn't me. It was oh, Frank. It okay, was Frank. Frank <laughs> uh, and uh, Frank wrote a notice, and uh, it appeared in the first edition, mm. uh, which, which was rather a mistake. Uh, <laughs> and uh, because my editor uh, was in Sardis at the opening night party and got the first edition of the Times, uh, which was out before the the curtain fell. <laughs> <laughs> and there was the He was quick. And my editor rang me up and said, uh, well, you know, what the hell was happening? <laughs> and um, I, I was at a loss. And I, I think, with Melda Busky, I think, was the press agent on Amadeus, uh -huh. if I remember rightly. Uh, and I rang up Merle in the middle of my notice because I'd been called up in the middle of my notice and I screamed and he said, no, I didn't know this, I didn't know this, I'm as puzzled as you are, which I didn't believe, of course, but <laughs> apparently it was true. But still, uh, and after that, uh, we, uh, the Post and the News and everyone went to the, you know, League of something, I suppose, and it was, it was decreed that everyone was able to go to. But isn't it true that one of the advantages of that opening night and that short deadline is that you knew the critics' opinion right away. Now mm -hmm. you have to, no, now you have go, to go into the That's review. Right. Yes, I know, but, but that cases. only from the business point of view. I mean, really, does it really matter whether you know the cri critics' opinions right away? It's only, it's only the, the press agent and the, uh, and producers. the producers who want yeah. to know this. Yeah. No, no one, the, the world isn't waiting. <laughs> <Do you laughs> <mean that, laughs> no, I still see the reviews at the same time. Yeah. Do you mean that that the leads no, that, that you would mind because the they used to be on the 11 o'clock news that night. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now, very often in television, it isn't. Maybe the next night. But the next day. Night, isn't it? Brooks Atkinson's no. opinion was in the first paragraph. Oh, then he summarized yeah. the play. That's what you meant. He meant. Yeah. Yeah. Went into the elements and then re yeah. his opinion then yeah. reappeared he in the He meant thumbs up, thumbs down in the first paragraph. Right. Right. Well, well, that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> now we're artists. But you still, but you still okay. get the notices at the same time. No, he, yeah, well, he meant oh, the opinions course, yeah. up, yeah. up higher. Oh, I see. Right. Oh, you you get the the, oh, I see. Oh, you I get them earlier now. The writing is more coherent. Is that what you're trying <laughs> yeah. to say? Yeah. I think the other advantage uh, to later deadlines is that, and that this may be totally irrelevant to you, but we we are able to have more of a normal life. Now, it may not that may seem irrelevant, but I think it isn't irrelevant that. When you have critics, because I, when I was at the Chicago Tribune for 11 years, we had an 11.30 deadline at night, and I often didn't know if the swan died or not, you know. <laughs> and um, by the time I got to New York, fortunately, Frank had had his way, and mm. you know, you guys, so, so we were able to be a little bit more civilized about it. And I think being able to go to the theater and go home and have, you know, have a life with, with people, makes us a little bit more like everyone else in terms of seeing mm -hmm. the theater. Oh, yes, in point. terms of, because I know I had a life that was completely upside down. I was going to the theater every night. By the time I was done, it was, you know, 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm bouncing off the walls in the middle of Chicago where nothing is open. <laughs> and, you know, my husband, my then husband was sleeping. And... <laughs> Don't marry a critic. <laughs> Unless you marry another critic, which is what I did the second time. But, uh, you know, and then you sleep late, and then you get up, and, it, you know, just the whole day is turned around. And I think that you sort of, 
lose a, a sense of what the world is doing. Mm -hmm. And I like it much better being. You're the only uh, critic was the only person required after a show uh, was over to scream out his his feelings about yeah. what he saw. Yeah. Everybody goes home and sleeps yeah. on what right. they saw. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you? Oh no, yeah. Usually, yeah. No. No. no, 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 not everybody. People go to dinner and have people have opinions walking out. They walk out. Yes, they walk out. One thing, spreading the word is another. But shouldn't you spread the word on the opinion as you've seen it? You've come out of the theater and you've heard the applause and the curtain has gone down and you're part of that and then you write what you've seen. Yeah. I, I think you're just not really the opposite. Part of that Given all that time, no, you then say so yes, you but know, on the other hand. Now, Isabel, you know, for one thing, you always presume. I mean, I have a little show the other night. And the audience was going crazy. Well, it was the night before, but I've but, never uh, seen. Yes, exactly. But, but, well, what I was mean, the play? You felt that no one could, no audience could be that moronic, so they had to be plants. <laughs> I mean, but, what uh, they would uh, do for a free pair of tickets? Exactly, exactly. But, um, well, they're actors. Yes, they're actors. Uh, but uh, the the you you don't really take into account the 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 audience, but. I, I myself have always found, I don't know whether other people have found this on the panel, but I never really know what I think until I, until I start to type yeah, it right. oh. or, or put oh, it into a computer. Yeah. I never, yeah. that's why I will never say, it sounds very snooty, you know, people say, did you enjoy yourself, <laughs> Mr. Barnes? And I, I, I always freeze because I, yeah. I never... <laughs> I don't really know whether I enjoy myself. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's one of those weird things. There was a critic at the Tribune before before I took over, named uh, William Leonard. Wonderful. Yes, you remember yes, Bill? Uh, he was also the yes, saloon critic, yes, the drama critic yes, and saloon yes, critic. Yes, yes. And but Bill would say, "I don't know. I haven't read my review yet." Have any of you ever walked out on a play during the intermission? And still reviewed it. And still read it. No. no. no Once only long ago, and I regretted it, even though it was a really bad oh. Charles Ludlam play. Oh, I did once, but I wrote about it. But I, and right. I yes. always yes. say, you laugh. I would always yes. say, but I wouldn't yes. do it. Okay, but I've what, never done it. What again. about sleeping through a play? Oh, yes. <laughs> That was a plant. I once saw you sleep through a review, through yeah, a play. That, that, I think, that I think is a legitimate form of criticism. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, how do you stay awake? Do you have difficulty staying awake sometimes? On Charles? occasion, after around the third hour of your standard uh, <laughs> musical. You do? Yeah. So what do you do? Well, Drink a lot I, of coffee? Or? I find it helps not to eat before. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Um, it doesn't probably help my fellow audience members when my stomach starts growling. <laughs> the intermission, <laughs> but uh, it really does help. You know, yeah. caffeine is good. Caffeine is a worldwide. Uh, right. I'm, I'm what do you do? I'm jolted awake by the need for employment. That helps. That helps. Fear as motivating force. Never underestimate fear as motivating force. How much are you influenced by the environment? For instance, if it's very cold, or there's somebody coughing next to you, or there's a person with a hat in front of you, or you can't see the stage. Not at all. Not at no, all. You I can eliminate so. I mean, everything. I, I can review with toothache, you know, and mm -hmm. I can disassociate. I have reviewed with toothache, but I mean, <laughs> I, I really, you really can disassociate. I've been in situations where I was at a comedy that was less funny than Medea, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. had a person behind me with roaring, ro one voice yeah. roaring from yeah. the start, to, from yeah. the moment the, from the lights yeah. went up, they yeah. thought that was funny. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it becomes so irritating. First of all, yes. I'm convinced that the producers you know, got their brother-in-law to sit there and just said, laugh your ass off. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> he hardly right. knows that. That's hard to do that. The only effect that has is infuriating you and making yeah. you really, really like an yeah. adversary of what's yeah. happening yeah. on stage. So, but I mean, you, it can affect yeah. you that do way. Do you never, never take into account the the reaction in the audience. I do sometimes when, particularly in, in something that's intended to be a straight comedy, which is the hardest thing in the world for me to review, right. that uh, a play that has no subtext, that the entire objective is just to sort of amuse you because that's not why I go to the theater. So I have to sort of imagine why someone would go to something like this. And when people around me are, are mm -hmm. seem to be having a really good time and it doesn't feel like they're all the brother-in-law, that I have on occasion been known to say, everyone around me seemed to be having mm. a really good time. No, I, I, sure. I wish I yeah. were yeah. there. <laughs> 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 I, find, I find Wednesday matinees extraordinarily okay. good audiences uh -huh. because they seem to be genuine audiences and they, you know. People with no <laughs> jobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> paying attention. Yes, but, you know, <laughs> don't you have to take the, sake the audience because from time to time I hear people say very apologetically, but I enjoyed it. I really did, as if to say I shouldn't have because the reviews but were not good. But you're not, re you're not yeah. presumably, I'm not being paid, we're not being paid to reflect how you felt about what you no, saw. No, we're not taking a gallop you're useless, really, mm -hmm. in a, it's really a useless exercise if I'm just mm -hmm. sort of taking, you know, a sampling public mm -hmm. opinion, then you wouldn't need me, you'd need a meter, you know, you'd need an applause <laughs> meter, basically. Yeah. And, and particularly, you know, when we go to see the shows, we, we know that there are a lot of plants in the audience, there are a lot of people getting yeah. free tickets, mm -hmm. and they're encouraged to be mm -hmm. very vocal about their, review, about their reactions. A review really should be the starting off point for mm -hmm. a discussion. Right. It shouldn't necessarily be the, you know, the, 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 the wall you know, the coming down on the, on the production. <coughs> I, do think it, I do think, though, that people shouldn't take, take it too seriously. They shouldn't read a review and think, <laughs> oh, my God, I was wrong. I shouldn't have enjoyed that. But they do. But they do. They shouldn't. That's the thing. <laughs> is sometimes not, not all previews are packed, are packed with... Um, laughers because you know a lot of off-broadway things they you know you just go in their regular mm. audiences and the difference in an audience at a preview that yet hasn't been told yet what to think mm. and the audience the day after the reviews come out can mm. be really depressing you know that people might have really a lot of people might have really enjoyed it and then are told they're not supposed to well, you know? i think that when people are going out for a night's entertainment they have made a sort of investment. They've made an investment of money. They've made an investment of time. And consequently, they have a prior commitment to enjoy themselves, which the critic doesn't, doesn't necessarily have. I mean, most people, after they've struggled to get into Les Mis or something, or, or Cats or something <laughs> like that, they're not going to say, oh, that was awful. Because in a way, it's, it's a judgment on their judgment. It's a yeah. judgment, you know, it's like, you know, buying the wrong stock on Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> Marrying the wrong person. Gee, <laughs> I just no, wasted, no. Gee, you wasted up, 10 yeah, really years of my life. <laughs> Rome has been trying to get a word yeah. in here. No, I mean, I, a lot of things are going through my mind, but, you know, it, one thing that, in response to this whole notion of, you know, does the audience affect what you say or, or write, I, I remember one day, one of the first shows I had to review was my one and only, do you remember, with Twiggy mm -hmm. and Tommy Toon right. in it? And I met, I, I really wasn't sure what to make of it, and I, I was getting kind of anxious because, you know, this was one of my first reviews, and I, and I wanted it to make it real good, you know, and I was thinking very hard about how to, how to do this. 
And I remember there was a woman behind me who just kind of chuckled, and she said, what a cockamamie show this is. <laughs> and that, that loosened up the whole creative process. And I realized, you know, that it really was a cockamamie show, <laughs> and that's okay. And, you know, oftentimes I think we could be accused of intellectual snobbery. I think we, one of the, the faults that, that we suffer from is that we apply the same standard, I think, oftentimes to... What we white men? Many, uh, <laughs> We. Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the we. Not Sorry. I. We. I'll, right. that, was, that was on purpose. Okay. But we all do this, I think. We, we overanalyze a show perhaps unnecessarily. And I was thinking, for example, Footloose. Um, it's a show that wasn't, is, is not very good by the standards that you would judge an Amadeus, for example. But there is merit to it when you, you know, we, we have a, a segment on our, uh, we do a theater show at New York, one called Seen and Heard. And uh, we just take a camera and we go, uh, we go in front of the theater as they're letting the audience out. And we ask people, what do you think? Well, in about 90% of the people who we spoke with, and obviously this is an unscientific mm. sampling or poll, but 90% of the people said, I just thought this was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Now, the interesting thing is we also discovered it was the only show they, they <laughs> had ever seen. <laughs> but that, that being said, that show was designed for those particular people. So is it fair for us but to, to yes, slam so the show? It's totally fair, because <laughs> we are expected to give an informed opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we say, <laughs> it, 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 exactly, I mean, if we say this is the best Hamlet I've ever seen, <laughs> If it's the first Hamlet I've ever seen, <laughs> it's also the worst Hamlet <laughs> I've ever seen. So, I mean... We, but it's a we, good play. It's a good play. I think we've got to accept that the, uh, we can't accept uh, an objective opinion, but we can expect from the critic an informed opinion, mm. an opinion which is based on many years of, of you know, plush sitting, and, uh, you know, many years of, you know, I don't know, preparation each yeah. time. Yeah. But, but I mean, sitting in the dark. There's an elitism that's built into this. There's no doubt right. about it. I mean, we, when we write a review of King Lear, we don't start by saying, you know, this is the story of a father. Who, you know, I mean, you, you, can't, you, you presume that the, the audience has a That's what it's about. <laughs> you presume that, it, that, it, that there's a certain level at which you're yeah. all sort of arguing, and yeah. you're going to lose you know, people at both ends probably, the, yes. the hyper-informed yes. and the completely, you know, right. ignorant. Yes. Yes. But, but that's, I don't think, I think that's the worst possible way to think, to think that, you know, well, you know, this is meant for some Be people. good enough for yeah. you to review. That's you know, right, that's right. Yeah, there's no you idiots no will like it. No, good enough for you. Yeah. You have well, no benchmark. You have nothing to, but, from which you but feel. But let me, let me just take that one step further. In, in my review, for example, mm. of Footloose, I, I went back, I was looking mm -hmm. through some old reviews, and what I had said was, it's not a very good show. But if you enjoy Greece, for example, if this is your cup of tea, if this is the kind of thing that you like, then this will be for you. But I, I think we have to put a caveat there somewhere explaining that it's, it's not for those who love classical theater by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, but, if you, if you approach, but if you approach everything the same way, and I think we must, mm -hmm. which is basically ask yourself three questions. What were they trying to do? Yes. How well did they do it? Was it worth doing? Right. If you can, can give it the benefit of the doubt and try to figure out what they were trying to do, judge it within its context and its ambitions, and then you still have the chance to say, but this is, you know, I think this is garbage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you answer those three questions with anything, then I think that you end up 
not applying standards that are inappropriate. But see, the difference for me is if, if I think something is garbage and yet it succeeded in fulfilling all of these, in, these yes, goals, yes. then it's a good play because it did what it intended to do. It fulfilled its purpose in life. But was so that purpose worth doing? One, one, of, the, one of the difficulties is that if you, if you start by saying or writing whatever, uh, if you start by saying, well, this is, this is pretty awful, but you idiots out there will <laughs> like it. Uh, you know, uh, you, the, the people out there don't say, well, I'm an idiot. Oh, I'm going to like that. Or, or, or if, you, or if you, you're much more likely to, to turn to the guy next door who cleaned his car and say, here, Charlie, there's really a play for you out there. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I think there, I, I honestly think you can, I, I agree, you know, the, the you know, famous, you know, famous Schiller three points and all mm -hmm. that, right. whatever they try to do and all that. I but agree with works. all that. It does work. It does but, work. But uh, you have to be very careful about trying to uh, imply to people, well, I didn't like it, but you might, because it <laughs> well, gives that it's condescending. very condescending. Oh, sure. yeah. it's condescending. But, but we all have guilty pleasures. Mm. You know? okay. Well, there is that. And also, I think you can, uh, you can convey part of what our job is is being a reporter, mm -hmm. conveying the experience mm -hmm. of seeing the show, even if you don't necessarily love the show. And so the people, when they read your reviews, even though you are going to, of course, you know, indicate your problems with it, sometimes if you describe it well enough, you know, they're going to know that, you know, whatever this critic thinks, uh, I think I'm going to like this show. And of course, also there's the factor that people who read you often are going to yes. uh, be able to gauge your taste. Absolutely. Likes yeah. and Absolutely. Likes and, uh, you know, judge accordingly. Yeah, you can't read a critic once. Uh, you, you know, you have to, for good or ill, I mean, I, I've often had people come to me and say, I will always know when I'm going to like a show because you'll hate it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, this, I think, is a, is, a, is a legitimate way of reading critics. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you ever certainly get to know people's blind spots. Yes. No. Do you ever cut a play some slack? say, well, it was well-intentioned, or the group had handicaps and they were performing, you know, and so I won't use the same standard that I might use. Well, there is the issue of, of you know, your own limitations and, and, and biases and all the mm. things you come to a play with by, based on your own experience. You know, when, you, when I walk into a play written by a woman about women, I, I'm, I sort of, I mean, I think one of the problems with the theater today is that too many plays are written from niches where they can't mm. go beyond the group they're writing mm. specifically. That's for. right. Since most plays are written by men for men, then occasionally, <laughs> occasionally <laughs> every one in 25. I rarely come across one, but you do try to some degree to, to open yourself, which is the whole point of the theater. You know, you try to, you, you know, you make some allowances. Yeah. What if you know somebody in a play? I don't. <laughs> you never. I try meet so actors hard or actresses. I really try. Clive, you know to. lots of people in the theater. What uh, happens when it's one of your dearest friends? I always found out very early on uh, that in this business you had to be able to cut the throat of your grandmother. Uh. And, uh, and you have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else cut the throat of I find that the there's something <laughs> called emotional conflicts of interest, which yeah. I think are much more dangerous than oh. whether or not some producer takes you to lunch. Yeah. You know, but that if I... You like them. You like them, or also in, not really in New York that much, but in the rest of the country, you know, because I, 
I did, you know, I worked in America first before <laughs> I came to New York. <laughs> and there, most uh, critics are also required to do interviews mm -hmm. and, you know, and do the feature stories about right. the, the shows mm. that they're about to review. And I found that it was very difficult. I found that if I began to picture their little faces above the keyboard, yeah. that I was in trouble. And it didn't mean mm. that I would be nicer to them. Sometimes I might be harsher on them just to prove to myself but I'm not, not being nicer right. to them. But there is a reaction. Which is why I decided, I mean, when I was in Chicago, it was in the 70s, and, and the David Mamet's first play was the first new play I ever reviewed, and I sort of grew up in the same neighborhood with all the Steppenwolf people. And, you know, these are the people I had the most in common with, and they were the most fun, and I wanted to be with them. But I knew that no matter how much they would say, it's okay, we're all professionals, when it came down to my doing what I have to do, which is totally un natural mm -hmm. in regular mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. that it became strained mm -hmm. and uh, because you're basically attacking not only their vanity but their their ability to 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 live. pay the to, to live, live. Mm -hmm. and whether or not their parents are embarrassed or that mm -hmm. they the, mm -hmm. it was good that their father worked three jobs mm -hmm. so they could mm -hmm. go to dancing school mm -hmm. there's too much <laughs> yeah. at stake so i try really hard to um some people can have yes. friends and write about them I can't do it. Maybe it has to do with being female. Do you know? What's it do like? critics still get criticism from larger-than-life people like Joe Papp and David Merrick? Uh, not so much, I don't think, although, you know, occasionally. But, uh, but, but <laughs> Joe Papp and David, David Merrick were rather special cases, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they really did a sort of... Uh, but um, I don't... I don't know. What, what do other people think? I don't think... Well, you know, with the advent of email, <laughs> I, oh. I get a lot of reaction. Uh, <laughs> it, it goes both ways. Yeah. But people feel it's a lot easier, you know, to just tap on the computer uh. and tell me how they uh. really feel. I get, I get some... You, you get some very nasty mail yeah. from yeah. actors. How does it oh, yeah, to be right. hated? Uh, well, you know, it's not. I find for the most part, you know, maybe I'm deluding myself, but most for the most part, it's it is con it, the the conversation when it happens is carried on fairly genially. I mean, I've never had a you know a, a, a pitcher of water dumped on my head or anything like that. But um, but you hear from. Uh, in fact, one night, one day, I got a letter from an actor. I I wasn't even he, he out of the blue. I got a letter from an actor who basically took issue, it just made me, it reduced me to almost tears in this, in this <laughs> letter, just, you know, horrible letter. And then I realized I was seeing him in a play that night. to the press agent of the show that he had written this letter. That's called notes. The press agent called me, like, in a panic, and, you know, said, don't, please don't take anything he says. He's a crazy person. They literally, I think they would have fired him. I mean, they would have said, look, he's out of the I've written him out. You know? <laughs> oh my God. And I remember, like, in the, having this weird experience of sitting there watching him yeah. and knowing, you know, I, it was a completely compromised situation. So, how did you review him? I, d I mentioned him. <laughs> and I said, and the part of the father. <laughs> <of the> <laughs> because I, I couldn't bring myself either to, you know, I wasn't, certainly wasn't going to attack him, yeah. but I certainly, you know, I mean, it was. How I, was he? <laughs> it was terrible. Are you sure? Well, then it was very <laughs> I once had a series of death threats. I mean, oh, serious oh death threats. God. Oh, yeah. And this was written by, by someone extremely distinguished. Uh, it, who? It, it, were, it, it, it was a choreographer, actually. Uh, oh, I know who. Yes, you know who. <laughs> sure. And he was very distinguished. And he Still was is. Complete, <laughs> and he was absolutely mad. And he sent myself... <laughs> and Anna Kesselgoff, uh, uh, my colleague on the Times, 
uh, dance critic of the time. <laughs> he sent us little coffins, little <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of things. Um, I know where you live. Well, obviously, he knew where we lived. And all sorts of little kind of... Um, Little kind of drawings, <laughs> and and in the end, uh, we found ourselves talking to his psychiatrist, <laughs> and, and and it was, you know, and the psychiatrist told me, I don't think he's really serious. <laughs> but wouldn't you say that people, you know, uh, can go over the edge? <laughs> But they don't usually. <laughs> and the fact is that yeah. everyone's always very nice to this choreographer. He's a wonderful writer. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't think, uh, I, oh, I get a certain you know, percentage of die, Jew, bitch, fag, hag letters. You know, there's yeah. a whole category yeah. of, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. when I was at the Chicago Tribune, which for many years had been a very, uh, well, it was, it was far-right newspaper in the old days. I mean, I, in my shtetl, they didn't, you know, no one read it. And... Uh, <laughs> and when I got there, there was a lot of anti-Semitic uh, mail oh. that would come, you know, and there was, my favorite was that Linda Winder should be de-kiked. Oh. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I thought it would be nice one day if they just ran my picture and said, Linda Weiner is being dekiked. <laughs> Her column will reappear under the name of Linda Christian. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get criticism over your hair. Now, I bet you Ooh. do. Because I got, used to get so many letters, forget what I was saying, was, I yes. hate your yes. hair. But <laughs> <laughs> you ruined yourself. One letter was, your hair is a disgrace to your mother's memory. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I want to go all the way back to something that Peter said when he said, that isn't what I was hired for. That isn't what I was getting paid for as a critic. And I want to know what it was that you were getting paid for. Is that a criticism? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, what it is I'm getting paid for is... I mean, what, I what is a critic? What is the role of the critic? You're hired to be. I think a partially critic. to. I mean, first and foremost, to be clear about what you think, express it in an entertaining way. Mm -hmm. I think that that's an underrated quality, and in, 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 in maybe different than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when there was this notion of received opinion from a few outlets that, mm -hmm. and you could afford to be kind of a little stuffier, maybe. Not not present company, of course, except, mm -hmm. but. Um, uh, 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 I think that, that, that the, the, the value of a critic today is as much being able to reach people and, and, and make them feel something for this art form that, you know, to many people is a more remote thing than it was uh, a generation yes, ago. Yes, I think readability is extraordinarily mm. important because yeah. the unread critic is a non-critic. Right. And I think readability is a very, very important. And if you take something that's fascinating for 500 people and make it boring for 500,000 mm. people, mm. then it's a crime against yes, the art. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I remember So Hewitt once telling me that, that the job of critics was uh, uh, the job of a critic was to sell tickets. Oh, this is and I said, and I said, so you're absolutely right. The only thing is that we that, that, that we get to choose the tickets we want to sell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that, that do it to, but I think that the enthusiasm of a critic is extremely important. Uh, he must. I mean, this it. No one ever writes a play with the idea of it being seen by someone who's already seen 50 plays that, that week. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the, the critic is an unusual kind of person. 
And the first thing he's got to do is to have an enormous love and enthusiasm for the theatre. Mm. It's an unnatural life that <laughs> we, we lead. And, uh, you know, most, of, most people would go mad having to do it. Some of us do. <laughs> but, but I mean, in fact, uh, you, know, it, 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 you know, you have to have. There's nothing worse than the critic who is bored with his job and but can't think of anything else to do. <laughs> and he, he drags himself to the theater or the concert hall. More often, it's more, it seems to be happening more often to music critics than anyone else. Well, that's because they have to listen to that's the same, listen 50, same 50, pieces 50 pieces over and over, and over all the time. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, you know, it's, it really is a, um, you do have to have enthusiasm and a great love for what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, and the hardest part is bringing that enthusiasm into your writing, mm. because uh, critical writing, I think some people think it's sort of formulaic, you know, where the mm. costume's good, where the set's good, mm. where the performance mm. is good. And there is a certain element of that. You always have to touch certain bases. Yeah. Yeah. And the hard part is avoiding falling into the usual traps and being excited every time you sit down to write about a new show. And in a weird yeah. way, it's collaborative. This is the only way in which it's collaborative with the playwright and the actor because you you can't write any better than the play itself. I mean, no, you often. can't. No, you can't. It, it, you're somehow yeah. moved or inspired yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or brought to certain, obviously, yeah. certain issues that a playwright's you know, the, the raising yeah. that you connect with. Yeah. But all those things, you know, can elevate yeah. your writing. You know, the idea of the, the 17th time you're, you're seeing something about <coughs> a dysfunctional family in, you yeah. know, in, a, in a hovel, in, you know, yeah. and you've, you've read this, and it's, there's nothing new in the, in the, in the, in the project makes it very, very hard to bring some life to them. But if you write a boring review, I mean, if you write a boring yeah. review, they don't say, oh, Peter, Peter Marx wrote about a boring play. Right. This no, is a boring review about a boring play. They'll say, Peter Marx wrote a boring review. Yeah. You know, so the danger yeah. is making things sound more interesting that's because... Because yeah. that's the yeah. Yeah. Right. Because energy you're bringing. Because a good critic to me is a person with interesting opinions. A good yeah. critic, it doesn't matter if I agree or not agree, yeah. but it has an interesting mind <laughs> and talks about the art in a way that makes me see something else. Mm. And, uh, and sometimes the danger, I think, in some people, ca mm. some cases, is that, you know, the person who's writing is much more interesting than the person that, than the yeah. thing they're writing yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty soon that thing starts to sound like you know, uh, maybe a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but I think that this issue of style, everyone has to have a personal style, and I, you know, we all try to. But I think you write differently about a comedy than you would about a tragedy. Mm. I think the style of the, no of the notice should reflect the nature of the piece you're, uh, that you're writing about, you know, the nature of the play or musical or whatever that you're writing about. I think that... that uh, well, as well as interesting. But Peter did, did touch on that. It yes. does, you know, if you've seen something that is just extremely profound, it elevates yeah. the writing. I find yeah. my yeah. writing matches yeah. what I've seen. Yeah. In the same way, you know, you yeah. go to see a movie and you come out and you, you kind of, mm. you're living off the fumes yeah. of, of the mood that that yeah. film has set in the same way that a good play can do to yes. you. But don't yes. you think that the, that the positive reviews and the negative reviews are the easy ones to write? Yes. Yes, mm. of course. Yeah, it's mm. the mm. stuff That's in between. It's the stuff in between, which is what most of life is, and most of us most of our experience, is the yes buts and the no buts. Why is there more wit in a pen than in a rave? Yeah, there's so much easier. They're much easier to write, and it's much easier to be nasty than to be nice. Witty nice is hard. Witty nice is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but what I, what I always feel that critics shouldn't do, and I've always tried to avoid it, is by pi picking out jokes 
out of the writer and putting them into... I mean, one of my very distinguished colleagues, uh, who's gone now, but he, he used to make his, his reviews very funny, but half of the jokes mm -hmm. had been stolen from yeah. Neil Simon or whoever, <laughs> you know. And he was the Milton Berle of critics. Exactly, exactly, he was. That's the writing about comedians is like yeah, that, when yeah, you can always, yeah. you know how hard it must be for people who regularly no, cover yes. comedians, because yes. you really can't. It's such you, a, it's you can't tell their jokes. The temptation yeah. to tell their jokes yeah. and look funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. right. And they don't but translate. No, they don't. not well. well. In print, or at least not out of my yeah. mouth. Yeah. Well, they say that a critic is a person who gets his or her education in public. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have uh, any of you made a mistake, Roma? Made a mistake, you mean... Uh, made a mistake. Never, I never made a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake? All the time. I, I, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I, I, I get names wrong. <laughs> I mean, only the, the, this last Sunday I got a name wrong. I, some, some actress I called Thomas, whose name was Thorne, and I've had to put, I've had to put a, a, an apology in. <laughs> Trying desperately to wonder whether I can make a joke about Thorn, you know, a rose, then decided not against it. But I mean, it's very. On deadline at the Tribune, I, um, these the, over, the danger of the overnights. I was reviewing The Elephant Man, and my first sentence was David Merrick, the hideously deformed. <laughs> <laughs> His name was John Merrick. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have been David. <laughs> my worst one, or w one of my many, was that in television you have to pronounce their names. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you always, you, you, oh, you get back oh. to the station and you find this name, and I had never heard of Ralph Fiennes before. Oh, right. And when I, had, I called him Ralph Finnis because yeah. I was just trying to sound it out. And oh, did I get letters, you idiot. Ever made a mistake? Ever made a mistake, Peter? I wouldn't admit to it, but oh. uh, no, no. I, yeah. it's, it's, it, I've had regrets. I mean, mm. about. I mean, I, I think I would go back, and there was probably a, a, a performance I was a little bit hard on, or you know, I mean, you know, you, know, you try not to uh, re re review badly dogs and children uh, ever. I mean, that's sort of a you know a standard. But I mean, I did. I was pr I was pretty hard on the production of Annie. It was very early in the. I was I. I I feel. You I mean, I, I don't think the it's dog? production. <laughs> you were tough on the dog. You were bad. Before I owned one, I didn't understand the whole thing. But uh, but I, I you know I I probably w I mean I don't regret having panned it. I just I wonder if it was a little you know. Has anyone ever corrected? You know, like seen it again s later on and said, oh, I was wrong about this before. Oh, you must. You've had yes. the opportunity to. Sure. But yeah, I, exactly. Yes. I find that sometimes that. I always remember one, this was very much in overnight reviews, because you would do very quickly and you would think something would strike you as funny at the time and and it would gone. And I remember one particular instance when I woke up and I said, someone, and he was very, very, um, you know, he had a very small part. And I said, so-and-so made the least of a small part. And it struck me as funny <laughs> at the time. Uh, and then I read it in the morning. Still funny. And I suddenly had the image of this man sitting at his <laughs> breakfast table with, with his family. <laughs> made the least of a small you, part. You do realize that Peter and I are going to use that tomorrow. <laughs> it's I good, go. isn't it? <laughs> Obviously, you're all very knowledgeable, and, and that's the reason why you are where you are and here.
But how important is it to bring that knowledge in? If you had, if you had seen Frederick March as I had in the part, then you would have realized John Jones da 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 in that. Most people had not seen Frederick March, so or whoever that you're talking about in the years of, of reviewing the two. Right. Is that a fair thing to I use as a review? I myself, from my enormous age, I mean, I have seen Frederick March. <laughs> I can go further. <laughs> I think I can. But anyway, no, I thought to go to theatre in 1936, so that's uh, fairly. But uh, I find probably... It's something which I probably ought to curb, but I do find myself comparing, you know, uh, you know, if if for long days night, yes, I I possibly would uh, compare. I I think that in a way, it's a useful function of criticism to uh, to show that a that there's a backlog of of classic performance. Uh, and also to show that, not that you know, everyone should have seen someone else, you know. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, uh, Flagstead was the reigning Wagnerian so soprano, and everyone said, oh, but you should have seen Frida Lida, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then, then I found that soon, uh, you, you know, I was able to say, ah, but you should have seen Flagstead. <laughs> and, um, but in fact... Uh, I think that for a critic to have a background is useful. Uh, I don't think anyone should really start writing criticism until they've been going to the theatre for at least ten years. You know, I, I, I really don't think that, you know, that people should, you know, just sort of, you know, because you've got to have some kind. Well, one thing it gives you confidence, doesn't you it? You can't review. I mm. really do believe mm. you, it's very hard to review Brian Dennehy. In, in a classic mm -hmm. American mm -hmm. play without yeah. knowing, you yeah. know, about Lee J. Cobb yeah. and Dustin exactly. Hoffman. Exactly. And exactly. Yes, exactly. but don't you hate it reading reviews where people pretend that they'd seen people they haven't? Well, when they're 40 years old well. and they say they saw yeah. Frederick yeah. March. Yeah, 40 years ago. I started out yes. very young and <laughs> I, uh, reviewing yeah. classical music. Yeah. And so, you know, I would go to yeah. Chicago Symphony yeah. and realize that everybody there practically had heard the Mahler Tenth a lot yes. more frequently yes. than I had. And all I could do was was do as much of my, do my homework yeah. and and try to have a context within what I could know. But I decided early on I was never going to pretend I'd been somewhere I hadn't mm -hmm. or that I knew something I didn't. <laughs> um, and I think you know if you just start there and then you know the more you see the mm -hmm. the easier it is to do that. Yeah. I think you really. I don't, sorry. Um, that's all right. I, I just was going to say I think you have to moderate those references because. I hate it when I read reviews, and all of it is is history. Well, yeah. And they're giving yeah. you the background of yeah. a play, yeah. you know, yeah. and particularly if it's a play that it's you know has yeah. some has it's balance, yeah. exactly. has some yeah. age and depth. Yeah. It's very yeah. difficult. You want to say something, John? Well, I am feeling very inferior here, not having you know <laughs> very many years of experience. Um, but of course, you have to start somewhere. And of yes. course, I, I had been going to the theater and loving all art forms, mm -hmm. you know, for many years before I started writing. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I think there is an age at which your critical tastes are sort of formed, yes. you know. I mean, I know I liked some pretty ghastly things at age 15 that I would not admit mm. to now, like mm. Ayn Rand novels, for instance. <laughs> but, um, and you I You were wish the one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, certainly I wish when I'm sitting down to write a review of a classic play that I'd seen, you know, 
ten productions yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of two. But yeah. uh, well, that that fountainhead musical is going to do very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you read the play before you go to see it? Well, yes. You know, as Linda said, you know, you have to do your How your, uh, your yeah. homework. So you if you're starting from you know a yeah. lower point, then yeah. you're you're. But knowledge. do you read new plays? No. That's, yeah. I and do you read a new read play that was, I'm sorry, am yeah. I butting in? Do you read a play like that's already been in London, that's already in script, it's done, but no. that maybe your, other co your colleagues had read it and you had seen it in London and you hadn't or something like that? No, I don't. I mean, I, I sort of, my rule is if it's, uh, you know, if it's considered a classic, if it's, it's mm -hmm. a revival, basically. I will always try to read before, and usually not the night before, um, because that obviously is going to, you know, change your opinion. So, um, but for new plays, I don't do that. Do you? I, I find it useful. I, I do it less and less now, but through the years as I was getting, you know, as I was getting increasingly less frightened, um, I, f I developed this one acting a play where I would read the first act of a, of a play that's in the repertory but that I don't know. Uh, and I'd read the first act so that I have some idea of what the, what the playwright's intentions were as opposed to what the director's intentions are. But then I'd leave the second act so that I could be part of the audience and still have a sense of surprise. It's interesting. Do you I do that? Is do that Rama, do you read the plays before you see them? Occasionally. If it's a, if it's a Greek tragedy, I try <laughs> to get caught up because I, I just have an aversion to Greek tragedy. I have to admit that. <laughs> And that doesn't mean I'll pan it. You know, I mean, it's my personal sure. thing, and that I try to keep that out of the reviews. But uh, occasionally, I, I need that, you know, that yeah. summary, even if it's cliff notes. I need to go back and remember mm -hmm. what what it's all about. But you know, there's a there's a new phenomenon that I just love, and that is a lot of new plays. Uh, the the press agents are supplying the scripts, mm -hmm. so I get such a kick out of reading. You know, the the text, mm -hmm. even after I've seen it, to see you know what a director has done to it and how it. You know, a, a particular actor has read yeah. a, a line. I love that. Yeah. It's very uh, useful now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and also, there's so many Irish thing. ones that you can't, oh, you can't understand, understand the brogue. I like to, I like to, <coughs> to read a play <coughs> before I see it, actually. But I don't read it. I kind of skim it. I, I like to know that Hamlet died in the end. <laughs> and I, <coughs> I, I sort of, so I don't get surprised. <laughs> uh, which is perhaps wrong, but I, I don't, I, I'm not a good visualizer. If I were a good visualizer, I'd uh, probably be a producer and make money. <laughs> not that many Whoa, producers do you. make money, but still, <laughs> you know what I mean. But um, <coughs> in fact, I uh, do like to, I do like to have a look at a play before, but I skim it rather than yeah. read it seriously. And you, Peter? I just like to find the right theater. I mean, I'm going to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. As long as you're in uh, the after right that, No, I mean, in, in the season, <coughs> I, I try and read as much as I can. You do find yourself, though, backing up sometimes. You know, you're right. sometimes going out five nights a week, and, you know, and you're, and you're writing, and uh, so there are gaps. It's, there's no, I don't have a hard and fast rule, but I try to. Peter, talking of that, have you ever not found the right theater? Because <laughs> I have. I once, I once couldn't <laughs> find a theater. And in the end, I had to ring up and say, they, 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 they were holding the curtain as well. And it was the most embarrassing moment of my life. But have you, has anyone else ever not found a theater? I knew this was a lot. I've I gone mean, to the wrong theater. You've gone to the, the wrong, wrong theater. theater. You know, I yes. have to look before I leave every time. Yeah. Yeah, so 
Where is it? And look at look at the back of the theatre index to find out where it is. So do I. And you know the funny thing is, I know. I know where. Wind us up, send us all over. Looking for the theatre. I know where every London theatre is, but I don't know where any New York theatre is. Which is, I don't know. Isn't that odd? You know, growing up, you you you're more receptive. It's like those nerve pathways were a lot stronger. Exactly. It's like my my children know know the New York subway, but I, I've never found, I never can use New York subway, but I can use the underground and the Paris metro. I don't know why, but I can only use the one and three lines, you know. After that, I'm lost. Today's critics feel that their influence has diminished. After all, critics have tried very hard to stamp out Andrew Lloyd Webber and have failed. Uh, they have a new target in Frank Wildhorn. He won't go away, Billy. <laughs> he won't go away. <laughs> 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 With a name like that, how could he? <laughs> how do you feel about theaters? Do you what? prefer one theater over another, or do you say, oh, Lord, it's in X theater again. I dislike that theater so much. I don't like the sight lines. I don't like the thing. Do you ever, does that... I don't think it really it. affects things very much. You know, it's like some theatres have reputation for flops, but put a hit in it and it's gone. Mm. Uh, no, I don't think that... You know, I mean, obviously we like some theatres more than others. Yeah. Who, who doesn't? But I don't think that really... Colours. Colours, no. I have a yeah. slightly different perspective. Mm. I'm the second stringer off-Broadway mm. critic for The mm. Times, and I'm just happy when the theatre has a bathroom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, yeah. I've seen yeah. many plays... You mean some of them <laughs> do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, where, you know, but usually you have to wait till the play's over because you have to walk you walk over the, the stage. stage. Yeah, you know, I'm in a theatre where you have to bust your own tray, basically. Yeah. And, you know, there's like a clean air in front of you. <laughs> you know, it's a little different. Yes. Than but I do think that there's there's theaters, especially in off-Broadway theaters, where if I have there's places I like to go because I've had good times there, and it's not. And chances are, when I go tonight, th it, there will be something good there, and I can start to change my opinion. But, but you know, if you start to constantly associate a place with some place that you know that things where you've had bad times, they start to <coughs> just seem dreary to you, and yeah. it's hard to mm -hmm. drag myself there. And also, you know, who wouldn't prefer to sit in the Lyceum? Or the you know instead of the Minskoff, mm -hmm. right. anybody? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, there are <laughs> presumably there are Minskoff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there are some theaters that are barns, and some of them just mm. make you feel embraced by them. Mm. Mm. And yet, all of them have, seem to have two small seats for somebody who's it's six tall. two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right They're getting there. smaller, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they <laughs> that way. Doesn't it seem that way? But also, men think that two. both they get both arms. Did you never <laughs> notice that? <laughs> men always think they have two arms on their seats. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has one arm. And well, the other it? arm belongs yeah, the to the person next to you, the woman next it? to you. Which one is it? What? The right arm? It or depends the left? on see, where, which way you're coming from. I see. You see? I see. But, but it's but best, not, it's best not to do this, guys. Yes. Yes. This, is yes. Not, yes. this is not your yes. seat. Yes. Yes. Now, here's a technical question. Do you use pens that light up in the dark? Anybody ever use that? I want to try it. Some, a press agent once gave me one, as a, a, a ballet press agent, uh, once gave me one as a, as, a, as, a, as a little gift. And I thought, oh, how wonderful. And so, that I, because I can never read my notes. I mean, I, I, never, <laughs> ever. I mean, this is the technical <laughs> problem. But I sometimes take them because people know who critics are, and they, they look at you, and if you, if you don't take notes, it, it looks like you're not really very serious. Or you're falling so, asleep. Or, or you're falling asleep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and sometimes it stops you from falling asleep. That's right. But anyway, uh, on this occasion, I pulled out this pen, <laughs> and I put on the light 
and the entire audience searchlight. I never did it again. But people are always giving you those as presents. They think it's such a good idea. Give that critic a pen with a light. I mean, why not wear one of those minor hats? And they make a noise. The other thing is when you click it on in a silent scene, it makes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But how about note taking? Yes, very quiet about this. As a press agent. How have you worked with, with the reviewers? What is your role? What is the role of the press agent with the theater critic? Just to make sure that they get their tickets. <laughs> yeah. They know the theater. And get to the right theater. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's been my experience, and I've had an awful lot of experience, <laughs> that basically the critics are rarely, if ever, wrong. You may be able to beat yeah. them through what yeah. is now called marketing. Yeah. In my day, it meant going to the A and P. Now it means something <laughs> else. <laughs> but uh, basically, on the quality of the show, they are rarely, if ever, wrong. And I don't well, think who's that. Who's the they? I mean, sometimes you've got five critics with five different, totally yeah. different opinions. No, you do very which often. Very often. Very often. Very often. No, you oh, do. There's usually a very strong consensus. I yeah. Find. Well, I guess consensus. it's just I'm usually. There was a whole season there that I that I labeled the cheese stands alone. <laughs> Does that mean then that we should have more than one critic on a paper so that you can say, look at the two different opinions on it? Wasn't that the purpose of the Sunday paper? Is the Sunday at the New York Times? Wasn't that why it started? I don't know what the no. real reason was. Here, I don't. Harvey I will suspect know. it wasn't. But Harvey will uh, know. I think. Well, uh, Mr. Barnes. Will oh, know. Mr. Barnes will know. But that predated Barnes, though, right? No. 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 Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I, I don't really know, uh, or you know, it's uh, no comment. But, <laughs> but I think that that uh, the difficulty of two uh, writers on the paper. This was always uh, taken up by the Times for a long time, at w one period, uh, you know, many many years ago. And because it was the Times, they wanted to have two critics. They didn't give a damn whether the Daily News or the New York Post had two critics. They, they always wanted two critics on the Times. But uh, in the end, in the first place, if you have two drama critics, why shouldn't you have two, two opera critics, two dance critics, two whatever? You know, that's I one can. thing. The second thing is that, uh, first, a lot of any review is partly telling the story, setting the scene. So, I mean, who is going, uh, so each review would be rather similar in some, some respects. Then, the, so, you know, you would have to say, oh, uh, uh, okay, Charlie, I told the story last night, you would tell it this night, you know, okay. The other difficulty is that if the Times gave two raves, that would be terrific, but you know, if it gave two pans, that would be certain death, even worse than one pan. And if it gave one rave and one pan, then, but you then know. But then you'd be choosing, the reader would know that that's the one that I really respect and I follow, and I, his taste well, or her taste are the same as mine. But I don't think that in that case, I mean, I think possibly what would happen is that one critic would eventually sort of outshadow the other critic, rightly or wrongly. I mean, I'm not saying that, but I think that one critic would become popular, one critic would, would not, you know, and I mean, I think that, it, I, I, I don't think there's any really good reason to have two, two reviews in my I don't know, I mean, there's, how many outlets, I mean, review, I mean, the, the, yes. the variety is in 
the variety yeah. of publications. Yes, exactly. I think, I think it, it makes sense at the times. Can you I hold it? Because we have to take a break all now. Right. <laughs> and all these wonderfully wise words will be said when we come back again. <laughs> and so for us and for the audience, just hold it for one second and stand up and take a break, walk around, take a deep breath, and come right back again. And we'll continue the American Theatre Wing Seminar and work in the theater. Thank you. This is CUNY TV, the City University of New York. Welcome back to the American Theatre Wing Seminar on Working in the Theatre. Before we return to our knowledgeable panel, I would like to point out that the Wing is more than a sponsor of seminars, more than our acclaimed Tony Awards given for excellence in the theatre, which we present in partnership with the League of American Theatres and Producers on television. Ours is an organization whose year-round programs are dedicated to serving the theater and the community. We have created audience development programs for students like uh, Introduction to Broadway, which began eight years ago and has enabled 75,000 New York City high school students to attend a Broadway show, many for the very first time. And through our Theater in Schools program, theater professionals go into classrooms to discuss the craft of theater with the students. And in addition, we have our hospital program, which dates back to World War I. Today's version of the program uses talent from Broadway, Off-Broadway, and the cabaret world to entertain patients in nursing homes, veterans' hospitals, children's wards, and aid centers, bringing that magic of theater to those who cannot get to the theater themselves. We're proud of the work we do and very happy for the important working relationship we have with the theater community. And so very grateful to everyone who makes our work possible. Now, let's get back to our seminar on critics. And I'd like to start part two with a question for the panel. And my question is, do you ever go back and review a show? Do you go back to see whether it lives either up to your expectations or if you gave it a bad review and it's still running, why it is still running? <laughs> so Harvey, Pia, would you like to take that up? Anybody go back? Well, we, have to, we have to go back a lot when there's cast changes. So, you know, if there's one cast change or two cast changes, you do get to look at the show again. And then when I like something, I go back a lot. I become quite a fanatic because and, um, my husband, who's a music critic, thinks I'm insane. But I say, look, you're going to be able to see Madame Butterfly again next year and five years from now. If I don't see Sunday in the Park with George as many uh -huh. times as I possibly can right now, chances are, you know, I will never see it again. Or if I do, it will change 10 years from now, and I will have changed 10 years from now, and it won't be those actors. So the only way to really get these shows into, into your bloodstream is by seeing them over and over again. So I go back a lot. Occasionally I'll go, uh, usually critics, as many people may not know, uh, are invited by shows to review their shows, and we go on nights designated as critics' previews. Once a show is running, sometimes we go back without alerting the production. I've done this on several occasions with the long-running musicals on Broadway, 
Cats, Phantom, Miss Saigon, and did a, a wrap-up piece once where I sat in the audience of Cats and watched as the uh, the uh, scenery started peeling off the back of the. <laughs> and literally, it, was, it was so old. The production. I, I put in the. the I, 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 I think I, I, in the review I said something like, you know, someone call the super because you know it's going to get drunk. But uh, uh, we do go back a lot. I mean, you know, we are we are. There's a there's just as the theater is not a one night. Uh, deal. It goes on and on. We, you know, we sort of serve. We maintain it ourselves on that kind of basis. Actually, I have a question for Harvey. As a as a press agent, were you ever in a position to warn your company that a critic was coming? I mean, was was there ever an issue where you said, you know, look al look look uh, alive, folks, because we've got uh, so and so is coming in in the audience? Or well, in, in, in my time as a press agent, which ended 26 years ago. We had fixed opening nights, right. and all the critics came, so right. they the knew. cast knew what to expect, and they either faced it or they crumbled. It could go either way. I just way. wondered if However, we go back. However, really, in the long run, it didn't influence the critics that much. Uh -huh. I mean, uh, yes, I've seen plays where the night before the opening, the performance was so bad that the audience walked out, and the next night it was absolutely marvelous. Mm -hmm. I remember a play called Any Wednesday <laughs> with uh, Sandy Dennis. Sandy Dennis. got rave notices and ran a long time. Uh, but that was a rarity. Yeah. But what about uh, when somebody, say, um, say Peter's going to go back to see Phantom of the Opera. Do you let the company know that the Times is in the house, you know, right. later in the run? My tendency would be not to let them know at right. any time. I mean, they're there to do a job. They should be doing that job to the best of their ability on any night, whether there's a critic there or not. Nothing changes. I was, I was What's important to them should be the audience, people they're working to. Did you ever hate any critics and say, I'm going to give them a bad seat and I don't mm. like those people? And I'm going to purposely I, I, seat I her in a bad spot. I once worked for a producer <laughs> a who, uh, who despised all critics. <laughs> And he knew that I had a friend who was a coach of the New York Knickerbockers, and he asked me to invite the team to the opening oh, night no. and to seat them in front of each other. <laughs> 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 you asked a very good question before about, about the, the power. diminishing influence of critics, which I, I suspect, I, as an observer now, I suspect has been happening over the years because shows that are roundly panned can run five, ten years. Uh, and even, you know, awful flops that used to close on Saturday night, if they opened on Thursday, are running week in mm -hmm. and week out. Do you sense any diminishing influence? I think for sure. I think that as the theater was slow to pick up on the marketing techniques that the rest of the country and the world, you know, the West, had been perfecting for better or usually worse. And in one way, I think it's healthy because it's nice to have a show not be affected necessarily by whether or not the Times. And we say the Times because really the Times is the one that can keep a show open or close a show. Right. The rest of us, as much as we may be brilliant people, but we're, you know, <laughs> wonderful papers, it really, the Times is the one that, that historically would be the one that was blamed for closing shows or, you know, praised for keeping shows open. And, um, and now that, I, now the problem is, so that's a good thing in that way. It's healthy that one person or two people are not deciding the taste of the entire community. On the other hand, then, a lot of the shows that continue to run, run on the basis of the size of their advertising budget, so that if you've got enough money to make a show review-proof, review 
then you can run a pretty long time on the unsuspecting. I'm, I'm thrilled with that, though, yeah, as you say, I because I used to, see, I used to be on the other end of things. I was an actress when I started out in the theater business, and so I was getting, you know, I was on the bad end of the, a lot of those bad reviews, and um, I would resent, oh yeah, and I would resent the power of critics, and I, and, you know, at, I never got beyond Off-Broadway, but I remember reading about Friends plays, and I used to just curse whoever was writing those reviews at the time, who would have the power to close a show, and usually it was at, at the times, but, you know, it would be almost a conspiracy. Everybody would join in, and, you know, you're right, the, the, the reviews are not all that different. You know, there's not that much of a yeah. distinction between the critics. And I hated that. So I'm so happy that shows can survive yeah. even with it. But it's a little of an overstatement uh, that I do think that, that the Times, you know, really uh, had the power to close shows. I think that, I mean, it could deprive it of an audience to a certain degree. There are numerous examples down the years of shows that the Times loved that did not find an audience and conversely shows that the Times hated that stayed even before the, the age of the deep pockets. Um, my, my defensive posture at this point is if I can dissuade one person from seeing a bad show, I've done my job. <laughs> you know, that's what you sort of feel sometimes. But uh, on the whole, it's, it's not a great, it's a, it's a, it's a burden to feel oh, that, sure. you know, on the, the back of your opinion, you know, uh, employment is going to be, you yeah. know, received or denied right. by people. And so in that sense, it frees you up. Mm -hmm. It liberates you somewhat from that feeling that, you know, you're, you're, you're out there doing a job of selling tickets which is really a critic doesn't want to do. Do you ever feel, though, this, that burden influences what you say or how you say it? If you really hate something so much and know that there might be an audience out there for it, do you temper the review at all? Well, I know what I do. I know that when I dislike something very much, and, and this goes to Harvey's profession, there's a tremendous um, adversarial relationship that develops in the crafting of what you say in, in, a, in a review. I have had my words. Your words in your review don't live as long as the quotes that appear over the ads uh, that run in the ABCs every day in the New York Times and on the marquees of, of I've had, and we all have these stories, but, but I've had situations where I've used, uh, in, in, in fairly short reviews, said nothing but damning remarks, and I've used one word to be gently, you know, suggestive <laughs> that this is not the most, this is not the abomination of all time. And that one word, it becomes, I, one time I said, this show is terrible, there are some exquisite harmonies in the second <laughs> act. I'm going to have the next day, or the, 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 I look in the paper, exquisite exclamation. Oh, yeah. says, Usually <laughs> funny. If you say anything is funny, even if it's Long Day's Journey, <laughs> there'll be funny, funny exclamation. And they, they want that, you know, they want, they want all our approval, we have but they want from the audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Okay. Shut I, us up. I have one quick question, which might be loaded, but I'm going to ask anyway. In our performance seminar, we constantly hear that an actor or playwright or director has to do this in the theater, or cannot do anything else. I'm going to let you mull this over. Do you feel that way about being a theater critic? Do you feel that way about the theater? That even if you didn't get free tickets, that you would go to the theater because that's what you love? Having said that, I'm going to let you think about it <laughs> and let our audience come through and ask the questions that they're ready to ask. Would you come through? Um, yes, I was wondering, how can one make a living <laughs> as a theater critic? <laughs> not easy. <laughs> I mean, it's not just a theater ticket. You've got to make a living. We would refer you to our editors, basically. <laughs> that, I think. It's a narrow field. You mean how does one get started as a theater critic? 
and make a living, actually get yeah. paid a salary. It's an increasingly, increasingly pathetic uh, job market. I can't it's imagine that any of us, did any of us think when you were, you know, 15 or 16 years old that you were going to be a no. theater critic? Or <laughs> I was going to be a veterinarian. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's something you fall, you know, these jobs open up, you know, like Brigadoon, you know, once a century. And I think that, uh, I think it just falls to you. I don't think, I think it's really, I know there was like a 14-year-old student at some high school in New York who wrote me and said, your review of your your re-review of Rent was a horrific. You know, I you know, basically gave me his review and wants to be a theater critic. And I thought he'll never. Be, I mean, if you want to, I don't think you ever be, will be. I mean, unless you really have incredible fortitude. Um, but I I wouldn't. I, I don't even think there's a program. And is there a program to train theater critics anymore? Sure. Well, well, is there? Well, yeah. I teach I teach a, a criticism class at Columbia, but. But I, but it's not really to train critics, you know. I don't right. think it's a very Critical hard thinking. job market. And Time and Newsweek used to regularly, every single week, have a full page for theater. Very, very seldom do they have theater mm. reviews now, and often they're like this. Mm. Every TV station when I moved mm -hmm. here in '80 had the theater review the night of the opening, right. and I thought, what a wonderful place this is. That the theater's important enough that on a half an hour news that there would be. Um, very few of them do now. Uh, there are much. You know, newspapers are dying. Newspapers are are consolidating and laying people off. And the the political climate of the last um, 20, 15 years has has successfully marginalized the arts so much that both the public and editors have a tendency to think that we're mu that the arts are much less important. But you know, in closing, uh, except I'll for New York One, I'll make this brief. <laughs> no, I I think it is very difficult to aim to become a theater critic. You have to be within the right setting. For example, if you're at the Times and, and you know, as Peter said, he started out as a as a reporter. You have to be within that that milieu, you know, in order to get noticed. And and I think it's pretty similar with, with all of us here. And, and I think that's true on television too. Certainly true. They take you out. My name is Robert Camelot. My question is directed at the entire panel. Do you have different standards of criticism, either consciously or subconsciously, when reviewing the show on Broadway, off Broadway? or in non-profit institutional theaters? Different standards. Well, I don't know about my subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what it's doing out there? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think inevitably you do, because yeah, uh, yeah. you know that expectations are very high when people are paying $75, $80, even $90 now a ticket. Um, I think, for instance, there's a show that's opening uh, on Broadway uh, tomorrow night, I think, that opened 10 years ago off-Broadway. And in my review, I you know, made the point that off-Broadway ten years ago, there was something about this that might have had, you know, a certain amount of charm. But, mm. um, you know, when people are expected to pay $65 a ticket, I don't want, you know, my words, which they don't often, but, you know, appearing over the, you know, over the title saying, you know, brilliant. You do bring different standards. I mean, I think you'd all agree. I, I don't know. I don't think I... I always feel like I left my yardstick in my other purse. <laughs> you know, I always think, you know, people are always talking about standards. I mean, I think that there's no way that I'm going to say I like something that I don't like. Um, but possibly the tone. Mm. The tone, you know, using, you know, a cannon to shoot a fly. You know, you don't want to be a bully. If, uh, but there's no reason. To, uh, is there, can I string some more cliches together? <laughs> I think so. I think so that, um, you know, there's no reason to beat a horse it, to know it's dead. <laughs> or, I'm, you know, fill those in. But, you know, you have a sense of proportion. It's a purely subjective business we're in. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't, you, you bring all the, as I said, I mean, you bring your expectation level, the normal 
variety of expectations you have to any two events in your life, to any two nights in the theater. We have another question. Uh, let me make a comment first, and that is, I think that theater goers are making a big mistake if they rely on just one critic. Mm. And I'm a professor sitting in and sitting university in an English department by my PhDs in theater. So everybody comes to me and says, "Did you hear about the new play?" And they're always reading the Times. Well, I don't read the Times until I go home. I read Linda Weiner coming in on the train, and so I have a different opinion. I'll pay you I said, later. <laughs> I said you really shouldn't go by just one critic. Well, my, uh, my question is that um, we hear an awful lot of uh, talk, especially from politicians, about what we ought to think and what we ought to see and what we ought to do. And there's been a lot of questions and comments about censorship just recently. And uh, I'm just wondering if there's, I think most of you are very open-minded. You have to be if you're going to be critics. And liberal and open-minded people say, you know, let anything go, as opposed to the ones who only want us to think what they think. Is there any circumstances when there could be or should be censorship in the theater? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think that would have to come at the beginning of the <laughs> <Yeah>. seminar. <laughs> For me, the only one would be if, uh, if you actually physically harmed something on the stage. Otherwise, I think, oh, you know, you well, might think those it, dogs or, yeah, or children that you were talking about. Yeah, as about. long as no one is, not, as long as it's not a snuff play, you know, <laughs> um, or then I think that uh, that you may find find a point of view repugnant, but uh, you know, I want to see it, or or I want to have the right to not see it. Mm -hmm. Anybody feel differently? I'd rather answer Isabel's question about like. Whether okay. you like the theater or not. Or not. All right. Oh, let's, let's, let's please answer my okay. question. Do you Go all ahead. love the theater? Let's start with that way. I mean, I, I mean, that's it's 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 a it's a it's an easy question to answer. I think that we would none of us would be doing this. I think I can speak for everybody and for themselves. <laughs> if we didn't adore this this art form, and mm -hmm. when it's great, it's there's nothing like it. Absolutely. There's no exhilarating experience, and I think I live for those few occasions when it moves me beyond any human, I think, human capacity to do. It's a superhuman feeling. And, uh, and that's, that's the, you know, the, the, the quest constantly and in this job. You don't use that term lightly. I know those few occasions. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, of all the shows that we see, how many openings are there in a year? Um, 40, I'm maybe, 40. whatever. Of, of that, the percentage is so high that the plays are not going to be very good. And yet, you live... I guess we're idealists by nature. You live for that moment when you're going to see something that is just so transporting, you know, that changes your life. And there have been quite a few. Yeah, there was a critic in Chicago for many years named Claudia Cassidy, who was a theater dance and music critic of the Chicago Tribune and just died recently at the age of 97. Talk about influence. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Claudia once was saying to me that I, she says, I became addicted to the idea of curtains about to, be, about to go up or about to be raised. I'm sure she said it more gracefully than that. But I think that's what it is. You sit there and you think, maybe this time. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a wonderful way to hear, maybe this time. Because I think that's the excitement that we talk about when you go into the theater that's unlike anything else. The, the rustle of the program and the waiting for either the first chord of, of, of the orchestra or the curtain to go up there is uh, maybe this time and 
even if it isn't this time, there is still something that is very magical and very wonderful about live professional theater. And on that note, which is what I, you wake me up in the middle of the night, I will say that as well, because I love the theater. Most everybody that's been part of our panels feels the same way in the audience that is here. I'm Isabel Stevenson, and I'm part of the American Theater Wing. I'm a member of the board of directors of the American Theater Wing, and I'm delighted to be able to bring this seminar from the new Graduate Center at the City University of New York. And the seminar on working in the theater has been on the critics, their role, and as I found out from tonight, from this afternoon, they are very deeply involved and they deeply care about the theater as well. And I'm very proud to have had them here and grateful to them. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.